Welcome to another fun episode of True Alignment. I'm Edgar Papke. And I'm Ken Sagendorf. We're live today in the Gronowski Innovation Incubator here in the Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University in Denver, Colorado, and live from Crested Butte today. Colorado. Color, yeah, it's in Colorado for sure. Just in case there's some confusion out there. <laughs> for you um, international listeners out there, yeah, and welcome, it's in Colorado. And welcome to the podcast where we talk about all things alignment uh, in life and business and all of our relationships, including to ourselves. The uh, power of alignment, the greatest predictor of success. As always, your questions, thoughts, comments, anything at all are welcome. Uh, please feel free to email us and... Um, Send us your notes, your questions, thoughts, anything at all. We have an on-air sign now here in the Innovation Lab, so we're really official when we're doing the podcast. So thanks for uh, – is it turned on, James? I, I think we need to charge it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> wouldn't you know? It says on air. Whether or not it lights up is a different question. Wouldn't you know? Here we are. <laughs> so thoughts, comments, questions, anything at all are always welcome at info at truealignment.com. We'll get back to you. Uh, and um, – so uh, we must well get right into it because we're pretty it. excited to have you with us here today, Lisa Slagle. Uh, Slagle is a creative director, writer, and um, you, uh, human woman, which I thought was interesting in terms of how you and you can tell us more about how you got to use that as a descriptive. I mean, makes sense when I look at you. And so dedicated to having as much fun as possible, which is why you've been so gracious, uh, gracious enough to join us on the podcast today. Um, she knew that as much fun as possible had to mean a stop on the True Alignment podcast. Oh. Had to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's a, a she is the CEO and founder of a creative design firm called mm -hmm. uh, by the name Wheelie, which is great, and, and I love the logo and everything that you've got going on your website, and also has a podcast uh, outside by design, and um, so yeah, so you can check that out as well. Uh, Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I have a, I have a, uh, which is good because most people aren't. <laughs> a friend, a friend of my wife used to say, <laughs> used to say, enough about me. Let's talk about how you feel about me. Um, and so when, when, when Edgar mentioned your podcast, how did you answer that question, by the way? And now I'm curious. <laughs> well, I blush red and then I laughed pretty much. Okay. That's how I answered mm -hmm. it. Um, mm -hmm. and we were usually drinking pretty heavily. Um, <laughs> But the, uh, we, we should ask you, Lisa, as a fellow podcaster, what's one thing you have learned about podcasting that's a good tip for us? Let's start there. Oh, interesting. Um, I think the ability to riff and not need any type of plan and not really having any type of attachment to a certain outcome. Uh, you're after our own heart yes. here. <laughs> yes, you could probably tell by now. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So you've got a, uh, you've got a twin. Let's start with family, shall we? Yeah. And growing up and uh, how you developed your creative side. You have a twin sister who's also, as far as I know, your best friend. Yeah, I have a twin sister. She's a math professor. We grew up in Ooh. Fort Collins. Little left brain, right brain thing going on there. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Seven base, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you get, did you fight a lot or did you get along really well growing up? We're complete opposites, but we're, we never fight. We're absolute opposites. Um, she loves math and 
CrossFit and calls nature the nature. <laughs> like I'm going out into the nature today. Um, <laughs> and I, I love action sports and um, live a little bit more of a spontaneous lifestyle, I think. And yeah, so we're total opposites, but it works out. Huh. I, 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 well, I guess I need to know more about what it was like. How, how did the upbringing, um, end up with you two as total opposites? I don't know. Cause I think about nature versus nurture a lot. And, uh, she's very structured. She likes, um, she likes to know what's going on. She doesn't like surprises. And I, uh, I'm not that way really. Um, so I think I'm pretty calculated and I, and I think like being born into the buddy system makes inherently makes me good at, um, partnership as well as like human relationships. Um, just because, you know, if you're born as a, we, instead of an I, uh, you know, it's a really interesting balance to have your own identity, but also, um, be that closely mm -hmm. tied to someone. Yeah. And I, and I would, my sense of it is, and this is the, I think, the part that probably says a lot about a relationship is the emotional element, how it is that you um, understand each other's emotions, how it is that you build on it, how you take care of each other, and the degree of listening that, that probably developed over the years in, in your relationship to your sister. Um, yeah. yeah, I could see that. Who's older, may I ask? I'm 10 minutes older. And when we were kids, I was like a foot taller, but she caught up. <laughs> Middle school must have been interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Tell us a little bit about how you started your uh, your creative design uh, company when you were yeah. 22. And before we came on the air, you you said, well, yeah, I think it's interesting to, to explore what it's like growing up yeah, and at the same time being an entrepreneur and a, and a business leader. Yeah. So it's an interesting journey because I started my company. I moved to Crested Butte immediately after college. Mm -hmm. um, and I just wanted to be a pro snowboarder. And so graphic design, I had a degree in graphic design as well as creative nonfiction writing. Ooh. And so I was just uh, snowboarding all day and I'd hand out soggy business cards on a chairlift. And somehow that worked because uh, I could snowboard all day, work all night. Um, and then one thing led to another. I accidentally, it's a typical agency owner story. There's nothing special about it. I was just, I, I was good at my craft and then started hiring people. And then I had a full staff by the time I was 25. And then I was like, oh, oh no, all these people need a career path and they need employee handbooks and I better get it together. Um, and then <laughs> that was a lot, you know? So Lisa, you have a, you have a small town, right? I mean, it's not like uh, it's the, it's the metropolis of Crested Butte. Um, you have a small ski town and, you know, people don't typically place, um, creative agencies in small places. No, the story evolves because I had basically Crested Butte's one mile by one mile. And I gave everyone a new website and a new logo. This was in 2008 before like internet yeah. business was that popular. So I was like, oh no, now I have to move. Um, so I moved, I was bummed and I ended up doing salt lake for a little bit salt lake city i made a ton of connections in the outdoor industry in salt lake city and then i ended up moving to whitefish montana where i had 
I had a brick and mortar business there. Um, I also had an office in downtown Denver for a few years. So I had two brick and mortar offices, um, which was the worst year of my life. And then what made it the worst year of your life? I was like a carny. I was like driving back and forth from Montana to Denver every other week. Uh, Those two states have incredibly different employment laws. So I had two totally different sets of um, handbooks. I had two totally different work cultures. Uh, One was a mountain town. One was a city. It was I'm not good enough at managing people to have that much complexity of managing two teams in two different places. Lisa, can I ask you about kind of the transition, the transition from you starting with your graphic design skills and and obviously website development skills to growing employees? Mm -hmm. What's the, what, 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 where was the tension in that move? Um, do you want the real story? Of course. No, we want you to bullshit. Do you us. want like the sunny story or the real story? No, the real one, please. The real one. So the real, so the, basically like the, the one I always say and just kind of brush it off and keep the conversation moving is like, oh yeah, I got too busy and I just started hiring people. Like, oh, you make websites, you do graphic design. Well, what actually happened was I got a traumatic brain injury snowboarding and I couldn't really work at a computer super well. Um, I could, I was having a lot of cognitive uh, issues. And so my neurologist was like, you've got to stop looking at screens. So I started basically growing a staff. Um, I bought a house. I don't remember doing that. Wow. I bought like this little cabin in the woods, 10 miles from anywhere. Obviously it makes sense why I bought that during a head injury. Cause it was very quiet, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and it took about five or six years to come out of the fog. And I was like, Whoa, what did I do? I have a whole team of people. I have, this little cabin out in the woods in the middle of nowhere, you know, and it was just a little bit intense to, as I started coming back into like, okay, what do I actually want? Um, since I was just sort of operating from this really bizarre place of the subconscious. So two things in that one is accidental success. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, well, you know, as you describe it, it's kind of interesting. It is. Um, and then you said when you came out of it and deciding what you really wanted, what did you decide mm-hmm. on? Well, a really interesting thing about having employees is that you then have to show up for them. You know, you have to show up to an office building for them. Um, They need a lot of stability. And so it's not like being a freelance creative where you're just off doing what you want. Um, I was no longer snowboarding all day and working at night, right? Like it was nine to five. There were employee performance reviews. Like I had to basically shove myself into the shape of what I thought a good boss was. Yeah. Go ahead. That's the part that interests me, right? I mean, is Mm -hmm. because those are, you talk about the, uh, the opposites maybe of, of you and your twin sister. Um, but you know, the opposites of, of that, of that, uh, kind of carefree snowboarding, working at night to managing a collection of people. I mean, those are not things that we typically see together. I know when I've, you know, met so many people from the outdoor industry here in Denver startup week, that, that, that conversation of the folks in the outdoor space, that becomes a little bit of a shock when they need to go into managing that part of the business. Absolutely. Like it is a total shift. Um, you know, so I think it's, it's definitely a point of conflict. And and all my clients are like that too as well. You know, like everybody's sort of in the same boat around 
trying to manage a certain lifestyle and trying to have a job and um, a career at that. So I think, I think that's a pretty common one for the, the so, industry. So you have that conflict and you have that tension, right? Mm -hmm. And the way that we talk about and speak to the, the idea of alignment, regardless of where, you, the, where you're on that alignment spectrum, whether it's alignment mm -hmm. to self, right? And having the life you want, and then there's you know, business alignment, getting everybody on the same page, working towards the same goals, mm -hmm. and you're you're actually involved in all of that. At that point where, and you, you said, well, you know, there's a conflict between those two. So how did you how did you resolve that? How did you use that tension to create an alignment between what you wanted at the deep personal level to be out there, you know, in the, on the snow, and mm -hmm being in that, like you said, in the office nine to five. And I think there's also that reconciling and creating alignment about being responsible to your people at the same time, being responsible to your own joy and happiness. Yeah. <laughs> Super intense. And, and so I, I tend to grapple with like, is it possible, is it possible to be a feminist and a capitalist at the same time? Like, is it possible to be a naturalist and a capitalist? Um, you know, so I think there are these like very juxtaposing <sighs> identities that I associate myself with and that, that you know, don't necessarily fit. We, uh, it's funny because tomorrow morning I'm going to be speaking at a conference in Barcelona, Spain, electronically, obviously, um, because we try to develop a, a master's degree here at Regis in regenerative finance and economics. And I'm going to be speaking about how it failed. Um, it failed because we were trying to break the current model of capitalism. And, and so the answer to all of those questions is yes. It's not necessarily yes with the cutthroat capitalism that currently is popularized um, by one of our former presidents, um, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> but that is the, uh, uh, I, I think it can, but we have to think about those constructs differently. And I think, you know, that's the work of alignment really is this constant rolling over to figure out the construct that you're operating within and where it comes from. Uh, I give you, by the way, I give you just a, a lot of kudos just for thinking along that line. I know in conversations with CEOs so often, they're not thinking that far ahead. One of the questions mm. that I'm starting to ask a lot is, so in your work, are you thinking generationally in terms of your strategy and the vision for your company? So as simple as we have materials that go into a product. And now I'm asking the question, what happens to those materials when the product is obsolete and no longer usable? And it's interesting that I have yet, I have yet to have that conversation with a CEO that had been contemplating or thinking about that that far out. So what is the consequence of how you're doing what you're doing now on three generations into the future? What's the consequence and what's the impact of that? So to think about all those different elements and to you know, sort those out. And like you said, Ken, roll, roll, you know, roll those around and see that. Yeah. If there's a, an existential crisis, sign me up. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I live. Um, yeah, I can, I can, but you know what, I, you know what I want to ask you guys, what do you want your legacy to be? And what is your opinion of the concept of legacy? Uh. So here's I can tell you mine because uh, it's pretty it's pretty uh, 
I, I've thought a lot about this. So you come into the world with nothing, you leave with nothing. And the only thing that remains is your legacy. And your legacy is more or less defined by people's relationship to you and the level of trust um, that, they, that they have in you as a human being and how they define that relationship to you and your relationship to the greater good. And so your legacy is the story that's told about you. Um, and again, your relationships to others and the world around you. I, and I think um, that in terms of then thinking about all those different aspects of that legacy, what I find so horribly uh, demanding and um, important is to recognize that at the end of the day, we only get one shot at it. We do. There's do-overs in relationships. There's do-overs in, in different elements of life. And the reality is, is what we create, um, it all, it's all a part of our legacy. That's probably a long answer. Sorry about that. Uh, I can chime in with a long answer, too. Just <laughs> the... Uh... <laughs> Well, I, 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 I love the question, really Lisa. Are. No, thank you. Thanks for, um, you know, throwing that question uh, or a question back at us. I think that's a really interesting question. So, you know, we're sitting here in the in our innovation incubator, which is really a design studio. And, and our dean at the time, he didn't know um, really what that was about. And, and as I did all of this work with students that in higher education has been kind of my passionate work to have the student be seen, um, somebody had asked me this question, and in the work I do here, I, I use images to describe nearly everything I do. I would use the image of, uh, I would use a roller derby image. And so this is why I would use it. And, and roller derby is one of those weird sports that if you're my age, um, you got to watch on Saturday mornings after cartoons were over, wrestling and roller derby were on. Um, no one really understood it in the 70s. Um, it made a little bit of a comeback not so long ago, but it's really... It's, uh, it's, a, it's a different sport, so many people don't understand it. But here's the quick and dirty. Um, you earn points by passing people on the other team. The person that does that is called the jammer. The jammer has the best costume and the best name on the team. Okay? I, I knew a woman. She was uh, a really well-known roller derby jammer. She was the Swiss missile. Um, the people that block people out of the way in Wisconsin have fantastic costumes and good names as well because you want to move people out of the way so Jammer can get by. Behind there where nobody is looking is this person that extends their arm behind them and gives the Jammer more velocity when they, than they had when they came in. And that's the role I think we're, we're here to play in education. They call it the whip in roller derby. That's what we're supposed to be doing is putting our hand backward, giving somebody more velocity when they leave. And I think that's our role in true alignment, Edgar, is you know we're listening enough so that people can find these places of alignment and use that to propel themselves forward. I mean, we even talked about it today when we were talking a little bit about the business itself. Um, and, and I, you know, as somebody who grew up in, in all the sports I played as the, um, I was the catcher in baseball, um, you know, the defenseman in soccer, I was the um, center in basketball, and I was told to, you know, not be seen, but make sure you're doing the work. And, and I think that is... All of those three things we have in common. Yeah. Catcher, central defender, yeah, all of those. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. But oh. I think that is, you know, part of the legacy is for people 
um, to know we help them. Um, even, yeah, to know we help them, to give more velocity to people and really serve in that way um, because you listen to them enough to give them more velocity on the way out. And I do think that I, with that increase of velocity, people get a sense of freedom and they can, the more aligned they become, the more they live without fear. So, yeah. And so what's your definition? You know, I, I mean, it's funny because you described legacy almost identically to how I describe personal brand, which is what someone says about your business when you're not in the room to explain it. <laughs> um, you know, and so your legacy is what someone says about your life when you're no longer there to explain it. Um, so I think that that's true. And I, I think for me, like the, the thing that is the most clear is sort of like helping people live a life that's more free. Yeah. Um, I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, we might, we, we might be similar in that vein. Yeah, and the definition yeah. of freedom that we use is freedom uh, it, it exists in the moments when we are without fear. Mm -hmm. So, I th you know, the whole rest in peace idea is really you are released of your worldly fears. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, wouldn't it be nice if we, <laughs> if we could get a lot closer to that while we're still breathing, right? Mm. And I think living a peaceful life is like the most honorable thing you can do for your ancestors. Yeah. Say more about that. You know, like rest in peace or like people die fighting for peace, you know? And so I think to be peaceful is really like a deeply honorable thing to do. So Lisa, there's the question, um, where do you find peace? Oh gosh. I, I mean, definitely going a million miles an hour doing like fun sports is where I find peace. I find flow state in the creative process. Um, I, I have a question, you know, this is, I know for me, um, mountain biking is, and I think I've shared this with you, Jim, mountain biking is, um, because my brain is going a million miles an hour. Mountain biking is the place where I can kind of box everything else out and pay attention without the interference. And that's what I love about it actually. Um, and even as I get older and become much more scared all of a sudden and, and a way more terrible mountain biker, I still get that part from it. Yeah. You know, I had the most zen out mountain bike ride the other night and I'm in this mountain biking friends group where it's a bunch of women and we go night riding. Um, so it's pitch black and you just have one light on your mm -hmm. head. Mm -hmm. Have you done that? It really silences everything and it's such a different yeah. mountain bike experience. I, I love it. I did an adventure race out, out, out East and it was a nighttime. It was a six o'clock start. And, um, you know, there were two mountain bike legs, and, uh, you know, that talk about feeling, feeling by yourself. Yeah. Right. And I, <laughs> on the second leg, I was lead for our three person team and my light went out, um, and on ah. the trail <laughs> and right. I mean, and so all of a sudden you go from this real silence where you can just hear breath, right? I mean, you hear breath and tires, um, on the ground and then, so much noise because I had to make sure that they weren't going to hit me, knew that I was going to be slowing down. I couldn't see anything. <laughs> Gary. Yes. So you enjoy, um, you enjoy the, uh, sports, extreme sports to, to, to in so much the, the, um, the connecting to other members of your team, 
in your organization, do they share the same uh, pursuits as you do? Uh, is there a shared understanding of this idea of finding yourself in flow and being free? And is that something hmm. that that's a common thread through your organization, your, your employees? Uh, or is that? Yeah. Yes, but we all approach that. We all have a different relationship to sport. Um, and sports are things we can grow with, right? And so those things change. It's just a very unique experience for everyone. But yes, I would say like something about sports tends to resonate quite well with the creatives that are attracted to my company. Um, I also hire a lot of women, um, which is really important to me. That's awesome. Lisa, you, you mentioned that the, um, you know, you find some flow states uh, in design. Mm -hmm. Tell me, walk me through, uh, walk me through a project and, and how you enter into that flow state and, and what the creative process is for you. Yeah, and what alignment looks like in that way in your work. Oh, interesting. Um, no one's ever asked me that. Um, okay. I would think we're known to ask questions. Other people don't, that's just something we do by happenstance. So it's not planned. Let's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a really good one. I would say we shoot a lot of commercials. Okay. Um, and you do, there's three stages of commercials, pre-production, production, and post-production. There's also, well, there's another, which is the creative visioning up front. And so for me, like I tend to do most of the creative visioning. Um, and for that, it's really an interesting act of how people basically like, I feel what something will be like if it doesn't exist yet. Huh. And I'm working on a book called the business of imagination, because I, all I do is sell imaginary ideas and then make them real. But all I, I just sell shit that doesn't exist right? Like a commercial isn't something real. I have to come up with it and then explain it enough to get the buy-in and then get an entire team of people to work toward the same imaginary vision, um, which is pretty difficult. It's easy to think about, but it's difficult to do in practice. And so I think for me, the flow state of it is really just, and it's an energetic feeling um, of, and I'm never short on ideas to bring in like, what would it feel like in the world if that existed? What would someone feel like if they watched it? And then trying to basically explain that to very different types of learners on my team. So making a visual mood board, explaining things. Maybe we know what song we're going to put to it. Um, and so I think it's this beautiful thing of like having a vision and then the actual orchestration. And so planning as much as we can. And then the actual production day hopefully goes right. But it is a bit of... Um, a performance in yeah. a way, because you can't pick the weather. You can't pick what kind of mood your models are in or your talent or your athletes, or if, God, if we're working with horses, um, <laughs> like you, there's so many uncontrollables. You just try to go into it with the whole team in alignment as best as possible. And then there's this whole saying, fix it in post. Um, but I don't really believe in that. I believe in working with what actually happened in the production. I hear a really important thing in, in, in that Lisa is that, the ability to put yourself uh, out of self to figure out the influence of your work. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, you know, we've talked about this a lot is that um, this is the key to a really great teacher, right? I mean, is that you're always thinking about the person that is on the other side before you start the act of doing it. Um, you know, this is why we start the alignment framework from the customer backwards. Mm -hmm. 
which is, it's about a changing the mindset. Um, you know, we were just talking about that, that, that customer you just worked with, Edgar, that really the problem was within yeah, as opposed to in his team. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, as you probably realize, working with clients or people on your team as well, sometimes a struggle for alignment is actually, you know, it's individual. It's, it's a personal alignment. Which brings me to the idea that you, 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 so you, you sell imagination. That's, yeah. that's if you're looking at it in a business context, like you said, yeah. and that, um, the uh, drawing out of somebody's emotion through an experience or watching an experience like a, a you know, shooting a, a commercial and here's the outcome. Cause I think this is what you're going to feel emotionally. Um, what kind of a feedback loop do you have going into that? Or mm-hmm. is it that you're just trusting that you're in alignment to uh, the viewer, the, the, the person that's experiencing what you're creating? Well, we're all just projecting all of our stuff onto everything as we make it, as we watch it, yeah. right? And so mm-hmm. when you create something and then release it into the wild, you can't control what someone does with your work once it's out, it's out there, right? They're going to feel how they feel about it. Some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. Honestly, like polarization is pretty good. That means you made something worth noticing. Um, and so I think for me, I try to, I try to, I'm just a very curious person and I try to be very interested in what's happening in the world, uh, what culture is doing what my target audience is doing. Like I try hard to be in touch with these things, though everyone is an individual and will experience the work individually. Um, And then I try to assemble the team for it that I think is going to match that the best, though I can't predict what kind of mood, you know, Mm -hmm. a designer is going to be in when they show up at work. Or like, you know, there are so, again, not so many uncontrollables. So you just kind of go for like, what's the texture of this? Yeah. And then, like, allowing a little bit of room for, like, these pockets of improv. Right, and the individuality that comes out in the process. Yeah. Let me ask you another question. So you want to stay in touch with everything that's going on in the culture and being very observant and um, good on you. Uh, curiosity, a <laughs> key to success. It's the spoon that stirs innovation, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to ask you is, is something personally you want to pass on it. Please go ahead and pass on it. Is uh, What's your morning routine? What do you do in the morning? Well, I'm a voracious journaler. Okay, I got a puppy, and my puppy right now is wrecking my morning routine. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, the puppy's name? Yeah, kind of like kids in that way. Yeah. You, yeah. The puppy is named Ruckus. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, yeah. did, is it, did you name him after he started wrecking your morning routine? Before he's oh, signals might have willed yeah. that right in. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You created. I you did. Projected. I did. Uh-huh. Um, but my morning routine is typically: I'll get up, I'll make coffee, I'll write. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I'll journal. Sometimes I work on my book. Uh, I have a sub stack, but I just write, and it's not client based work, and it's sort of like my special time to just uh, do creative work um, for myself. The way of the artist. Yeah. And then I have to go. I say I have to, I get to go do client work, but it, there is a bit of a have to there because my, at that point, like my brain doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the work. So, um, I, I like, I really love mornings. I get up really early, like five in the morning. 
That's fantastic. So, mm-hmm. so Lisa, you, you'll have to excuse me because I'm, I'm racking my brain to try and think of a, um, uh, of a female in this role, but you know, a lot of what you're, what you're talking about, the business of imagination, right? I mean, this is, this is Walt Disney. This is really, uh, at the heart and root of what, what that was at the beginning. Um, tell me, tell me why you're different and perhaps even why you're similar. Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. Jeez. I think I'd like to say I would do a better, a better job with gender roles in what I make. <laughs> you mean not entrenching them deeper and deeper? Yeah. Not making Fair it enough. a real problem. Yeah. Uh, not ruining generations of love for people. Um, so that's good. Uh, so I would say I'm different in that, but I think also kind of just from what I know of Walt Disney, just kind of being able to work with a lot of people, grow something um, and and t- be able to tell stories, right? Because those stories were pretty magnetic. Well, the creative side, I mean, at the roots yeah. is not what we have as modern Walt Disney, but the, yeah. the creative side and the original experiential components of the parks were... Um, Right, they were this uh, welcoming and engaging um, the imagination, which is really yeah. right. I mean, even up through Epcot and and things like that. That that's really more where I meant the the similarities. Oh, yeah. You know, I bought this fixer upper house um, that I'm living in currently. I don't know if you can tell how. Like, I don't have trim on anything. I'm just demoing the place and I'm rebuilding it, but I'm doing like a lot of weird stuff with it like like awesome. you know like a secret room through a bookcase and i have this weird catwalk so i ripped it all out and i'm turning it into this like weird gorilla floor net um it's cool anyway i you just can't take things too seriously my my partner he's always like you're doing what <laughs> to that and i'm like it, it's fine it'll be oh, fine i like it that's an alignment to what's over your shoulder that uh sign um, that art that says love anyway oh yeah yeah is there is there a story behind that? Um, I I bought that from a Ukrainian refugee, but I think that that's kind of the key to everything. It's just like yeah, I love it anyway. So it, it's it's funny because I did not notice that sign until you pointed it out, Edgar. Um, but uh, we have a uh, running joke, Lisa, on the podcast that every every episode we come up with a movie reference. Oh man, we really we really almost made it to the end without, one. without it. Yes, so. Um, because when you were when you were you know kind of sharing opinions of the uh, of the uh, Walt Disney Empire, the um, you're not going you're not going Sleeping Beauty or something. No, like no, that. I'm not going Disney at all, actually. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going with the movie Love Actually. Uh. Right, we're almost at Christmas. Um, but going with the movie Love Actually because the depth of the stories of the characters, right, who are who are in search of, mm-hmm. right, and I think that that is the you know, on the path or not there, I know I can, right? And I, even the characters that are a little unsung in, in that, in that mm-hmm. film, which are not the prime minister, um, you know, in the Hugh Grants of the world, but maybe the, the gentleman who's the caterer that says, I'm going to America and I'm going to be loved. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. I mean, just that, that kind of, that confidence of, of being out there and, and going after those things. Um, yeah. You got it. Hmm. Well said. Thanks. Good, good reference. <laughs> yeah. 
I got to watch some new movies. Just saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what does the future look like for you? I don't know. Um, I'm asking, and I'd like you to be very imaginative about it. To me, by yeah. the way, just as a side note, I think everything is about imagination. Our entire mm-hmm. world is nothing more than a uh, manifestation of of uh, imagination and curiosity. You know, innovation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's in your future? What do you imagine? A little bit. Okay. So I'm, well, what I'm currently craving is depth rather than width. And so like social media is so fast and, um, you know, running an agency with 30 projects at once, it's so fast. And I find myself being attracted to long format podcasts, um, movies, or even seasons are really interesting on Netflix, right? You watch something with 48 seasons. That's the same as a 48 hour movie. Like, so anyway, so I'm kind of into like depth. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of looking to simplify things uh, for not for the reason of simplicity, but for the, the reason of depth. And then I think, you know, maybe a family I did, I did buy a dilapidated horse ranch. I live on this like abandoned horse ranch and have turned this five-stall horse barn into an event center. Um, and I'm building a bike park on it. And I'm doing a lot of weird things uh, with this property. There's a lot of acres. And so I think it's a very interesting thing to be transitioning from such a digital existence to something so physical and so many fences and so many things, things that are breaking, um, and it's this very physical world. So I'm kind of enjoying what that's turning out to be. I th- there's a, I think there's one of, one of the more wonderful conversations to have is, um, how much in the digital world and through data, we move away from the basic essence of humanity and connection. I saw, as a matter of fact, my wife, Lori and I were having a conversation this morning about, uh, you know, about politicians, you know, this, okay, the stupid things they say. And so there was a mayor of a town, sizable town that was um, hit by uh, quote unquote natural disaster uh, effects of a hurricane. And he was going to show his leadership strength. And he said, we're going to win this battle against mother nature. And I was like, what are you No, you're not. A battle? Let alone, is it a battle? Where's your alignment here? Where, where, I mean, come on. So I think this, uh, good on you, you know, for, uh, for taking on and, and coming back to um, making part of your existence being so connected to, to what's, what's really there. Because as we know, you know, you, a lot of people say, well, you know, AI is going to get us sooner or later, and they forget that we can just pull the plug out of the wall and shut it all down. So, you know, it's kind of, yeah. The manifestation of of uh, of what we do in a digital sense and what we do with that is really really amazing to me. It's really interesting. Well, and Lisa, Absolutely. I hear I hear a little bit of that. Um, the depth is the 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 tactile portion of your feelings, right? The the mm-hmm. the horse farm, the uh, you know the 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 experience of of snowboarding, the experience of mending a fence. Uh, you know, I think that's the. And I can imagine the creative side. Uh, Edgar's a creative. I am. I am. I would not label myself that way. But uh, you know, the experience I do enjoy building things like this room and things like that. But it is um, that tactile nature is what I'm hearing. Is let mm-hmm. me see my feelings with something tactile. Absolutely. 
I mean, I'm heady. I'm a very heady person. So I think it's good to balance that with what's actually real in front of us. Yeah. There's something about labor too. Um, Mm -hmm. right. I mean, doing that, uh, physical work, um, resets some things. Thank you. Love it. So, so given that dream for your future, how does that relate to where you're going professionally? You know, I, in a day I made a new website for myself. It's just my name. It's lisaslagle.com. And I've never put my face and my name on anything. It's always been an agency. It's always been this name wheelie. So it felt very scary to do so, but um, it's smaller. It's an, I call it an espresso shot instead of a latte. And this is a place where I have creative mentorship, which is something I wish I had had. Um, this is a place where I will actually offer to go into in-house teams and help them. Basically a lot of, a lot of brands in the outdoor industry specifically don't have a creative director, but maybe they have lower level graphic designers that never actually get better at their craft because they don't have the support. So it's quarterly creative direction is this thing I'm offering to bigger brands, um, with mentorship packages built in. And I'm kind of liking that. I'm really enjoying not, I mean, I still love my craft and I love deliverables, but I kind of just love the conversation to be the deliverable. Mm. I think what you're going to do, if I may, um, I, I'm a very young person, so and, and I always will be a child. At least I'm reminded by that by Lori every day. She says, you know, you behave like a three-year-old, and I'm like, no shit, right? I am just more sophisticated in in certain ways. There's um, bigger, hmm? just bigger. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Ken. <laughs> I think one of the things that I, I think I, I think you're certainly, if I may, uh, with good intention, I think you're on the right track. Um, mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, the conversations are the relationship, including to ourselves, you know, and uh, the depth and quality and richness of conversation and dialogue is, um, as I grow older, I yearn for them more and more and more. And... Um, I think I think that happens when when people get older and 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 they become old buggers, you know, and they just can't stand bullshit anymore. I, and I think that's really at the heart of it is, you know, give me something real here. Let me have a real conversation. Um, I spent a lot of my life listening and and being part of those that that didn't quite have the depth and meaning that I that I would have liked. And uh, so good on you. I th- I think you're yeah. You're on the right track with that, especially that you have a you have a long path ahead of you. And uh, I, I, my sense of it is, anyone that that works with you, anyone that gets to have a dialogue or conversation with you, is is a very fortunate human being. And and what a fantastic uh, alignment story, Lisa, that you discovered that I love doing this stuff, but I really love the conversations. Um, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm going to intentionally move in that direction so that I get to have those. Um, yeah. Envious. Yeah. Uh, well done. And, and what, what's the point of learning it the hard way if you don't try to make it easier someone yeah. else? Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So thank you for joining us today. Wonderful conversation. Uh, yeah, this so is fun. With us. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I like you guys. So, <laughs> 
maybe you can be on my podcast. We'd Absolutely. love it. Yeah. Okay. The tables will turn. I'll grill you. All right. <laughs> Just don't forget to turn me over. When as long as you done. tell us exactly what you're going to ask us before we have us on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We want a script. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So with that, I think we'll put a wrapper on it. Uh, once again, to remind you all uh, that uh, your questions, thoughts, comments, everything, anything at all is, is welcome at uh, info at truealignment.com. Lisa, where can people find you on the interwebs? If you're trying to find me online, you can go to my website, lisaslagle.com. You can check out my agency, which is wheeliecreative.com. It's pretty fun. And on Instagram, I'm pretty active on Instagram. It's lisa underscore by underscore design. So Lisa by design. design. And then um, what's the title of the upcoming book? The Business of Imagination. Business of Imagination. Love it. Yeah. And um, yeah, so let's put a wrapper on it. Thanks very much for joining us. And uh, I'm Edgar Papke. I'm Ken Sagendorf. Have a great day. Yeah. And live aligned. Thank you. 